Hey, I'm Reno. And I'm Anders. Welcome to How to Entrepreneur, a podcast program by Inch. A show where we would like to take you on a fun journey about entrepreneurship. You'll hear inspiring stories with leaders and entrepreneurs across various industries and how they creatively overcome obstacles and challenges. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of How to Entrepreneur. Today we'll learn more about culture. Now, whether it's in a classroom, with family or friends, or even at a company, I'm sure you've heard of this word before. But what does it actually mean, and how do we shape and promote good culture? Well, today we're very lucky to have a special guest, an expert in the field. He is the co-founder and COO of Inch the CEO of a software company called Enable Magic, and he also has extensive leadership training from the military. Welcome, Evan. Well, thank you for that nice introduction. Yeah, you know, uh, something I always hear you say is uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Can you tell me by that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the guy that has that quote originally uh, i heard it from Einstein, and Einstein probably read it uh, before but it, but it's a, it's a quote from peter drucker which is kind of father of uh, management or like organizational management and he, he his quote is saying culture is strategy for breakfast um and that's not to imply that strategy isn't important it's just that it, we have to define culture in an organization because what is culture originally? It's, it's culture is just the way a group lives or the way we live. And it kind of affects how we think and behave and approach different things. It can define our values. Uh, it can define even our language. And what we mean when we say culture is strategies for breakfast is that if, if you don't have a good organizational culture with the good, with the with the right values, um, with the right way of thinking, it do, does not matter how much strategy you, you put into it. Uh, the culture is going to ruin it. So a team with a bad culture and a great strategy uh, will botch the job, most likely. Uh, but a team with a great culture and and a bad strategy uh, might come up on top. Yeah, that's an interesting statement made by uh, Drucker for sure. But Evan, when you found the Inge, I remember you were in the head of HR, right? What are some of the, like, what was some of the culture on your mind that you wanted to implement? And how do you actually do that? Hmm. Well, this is, a, this is also a team effort, right? You, no one, not one person defines a culture. So you should usually talk to your co-founder about it. Like, what culture do you want to have in your organization? So uh, for my case, it was me and I stand and, uh, and, um, uh, and a couple of the other founders of Inch that was on board at the time. But what we were thinking of uh, when we're creating that culture is uh, a culture of execution, right? Having uh, an organization that does not reflect a normal student organization, first of all. We wanted an organization that was able to act and execute on the goals we set, um, but we also wanted to have an open and fun organization to work with where you would get the skill sets and the knowledge you needed, you would need uh, later in your professional life. That's what we were kind of thinking. So how do we do this? Well, 
we know that as, as a student organization, we will have a lot of students in there and students do not have an experience. I mean, that's the definition of, of, uh, of kind of the student life is that you're there to get experience. You're there to, to learn and grow and develop. And um, so then, then focusing on getting in talent that has experience would be, would be a wrong approach for our sake. So we would rather focus on motivation and culture because then we can teach them. Hire for motivation and train for skill was the thought we, ha we were having. And then kind of what, what kind of values do you want to embed in the inch culture then to, to get these people uh, into it that you then can grow and develop? Um, well, we had to set down some values then. And one of the core values that, uh, that we had were, were curiosity, curiosity. You have to be curious. And you have to be curious about the world and especially about people. And you have to have interest in people. And if you look at the core values of Inch, now curiosity isn't the core values. It's um, because we have embedded that into uh, another set of values in Inch. But it's still very much what we think about when I think of a person I want to recruit to Inch. I want to see a person that wants to grow and wants to explore and wants to learn and develop. And he does that by trying, by executing, by acting, either it's reading a book or going out on the stage and being scared, scared of it, but then doing it. Um, so we wanted to embed this culture into, into Inch. So uh, um, embed this culture into Inch. So where do you start then? Well, first of all, you sit down and you brainstorm a little <laughs> with the team uh, about what are the cultures that want to describe your organization. What do you want your employees to think when they think about working at Inch? And what do you think I want other people to think when they think about our organizations? And we did that. We brainstormed it. And then how do you embed that into the organization as well? Well, we are humans and humans are pack animals. So you have to feed the tribalistic thinking of us. So one of the, good, one of the ways we did was just having the word inch you know, as the company name and then call, you know, call, calling our clients inchers, the people we help are inchers. Um, but also having these wordings like take inch, take initiative. Now you're taking inch. That's part of the tribal culture. Like now that's, that, that sets us apart from the rest. It's us, it's us and then it's them. Um, and then you include some rituals and then you have to include what we call culture bearers in the organization. What does that mean? Well, a culture bearer is a person that embeds, like the, a per, per personify the culture of the organization in their, the way they speak, the way they act, um, the way they kind of support the community. And in the start, it has to be the CEO that usually does it, that sets down this culture framework, but it's very good for that CEO then to delegate the kind of the, the, the culture piles, that, the pillars of the culture into us, the, the number two, because some of, you know, part of driving the culture is getting very close to the rest of the organization. And unfortunately, like as a CEO and as the top leader, you are alone a lot of the time. And there's a reason for it that you are alone. And that's because you have to have that distance from the organization to be able to take um, good, uh, good uh, um, decision, decisions, both strategically and tactically and operationally. So it's, uh, so, it's, so it's better to have maybe a number two that kind of embeds the culture. 
And then that person will be the person that's going to set down the pillars, sets up the rituals, encourage those rituals to be followed, and then you know that flows down the whole organization. And it has to start on the top. Culture starts always on the top. I just have a little question because um, for me, uh, that doesn't like know the internal uh, place or like an organization. Uh, it's new for me to hear that you have like you know these uh, cultural bearers and people like sets the culture. Uh, like, do every company have like uh, you know do you hire people to set a culture uh, or do you just find them uh, as you know them or do you have like okay this is this is our culture guy. You make it, you embed it into your recruitment process. Yeah. Uh, you want everyone to be culture bearers, actually. But there are some that are a little extra than others a lot of the time. So in your recruitment process, you have to be very clear about what culture you want in your organization. Um, it should be wide enough that it can encompass many different people. You embed it in the recruitment process. And we, we did that by having some very specific questions we were looking for, we were asking people. Uh, you, know, you have all these you know, standardized ones like motivation and you want to see you know, how they're working in teams and communication and all that stuff. You know, what do you value in a leader and all that? But one of the questions I really liked to see if I could kind of capture this embeddedment of inch culture is, uh, you know, Pardon my French, but I would say, tell me about the time you really fucked up, mm -hmm. right? You can you can rephrase it to, tell me about the time you failed. But I use the word I use that word deliberately to shock them in the end of a meeting because I wanted to see, can this person actually first of all tell me about the time that that person tried to do something that required courage, that there were a huge risk of failure and that failure would actually mean something and then they will tell it to me they will tell me i tried this and i really screwed up on this and what i was looking for was okay they they, they have failed which is important to learn and then how did they react after that failure and that would embed in my head that courage to try to fail an inch but it would also embed the curiosity to find out okay i, I messed up but how can i actually not do the same mistakes again. You know, I think you guys are uh, into some interesting, uh, you know, topic topics with uh, like the recruitment and uh, like getting people into your team that fits. Uh, because uh, like for between when I was like 15 to 19, I played uh, football a lot. Uh, we played like uh, you know two days a week on the team, and uh, we were really you know pushing to get to get pro everyone and then you're not a part of like creating uh, the team because you have people over you that create the team and they don't care what you think because they always want uh, new players uh, or maybe better players, but they don't maybe fit in like with your team and with the persons that are there. And uh, I remember, you know, there was always conflicts. Uh, we were together like, we met like eight in the morning, trained to 10, and then we went to school until like four, and then we had training again to like six and then you hang out all the day and you hang out every day and if you don't have like the best people or like people that you connect with it's gonna it's gonna clinch at some point and uh you know we have people from all over the world different ethnicities and uh people in different ages as well uh so uh you know 
it's hard in a team to to create a good culture but uh you know it's uh that's what i wanted to talk to you as well uh evan like uh which elements do you need to like take a team or like uh, a startup to like next level uh yeah what represents a culture that that brings brings you forward there's a saying that we are the five people we hang around the most right and in a startup you hang a lot around those five people a lot so uh, that's why the recruitment process is so important but what i would say is one of the you know what takes a team to the next level in my head first of all the growth mindset that you probably heard a little about but that thinking that i'm never done developing growing uh, as a person i can always do better and i will set aside time to evolve and, and and grow as a person that means set aside time to actually sit down and and read outside of the work time as well um so that, uh but also learning from your mistakes um and being able to grow from them um and but and by learning my mistakes i think uh, not having too much pride is also important yeah so um if you have people that are very prideful it can be hard for them to uh to take in feedback that might hit their pride let's say reno you know you are a salesperson salesman and and then suddenly your methods of doing sales are outdated you've been doing them for 10 years and that can be a very very you know you're getting very good at your way of selling but then suddenly the industry has changed and you're that's not the way you do it anymore then changing your whole mindset then can be really hard and you have to acknowledge that you have to unlearn a skill set that you might have trained a long time to get because having the experience to sit at both sides of the table meaning today if I'm being interviewee wanting to get a job or today if I'm an interviewer almost trying to figure out the motivator something you mentioned earlier right Evan mm-hmm. and i think the word motivation motivator it's just like culture it's just a lot of words people throw around but they don't really actually know how to find that out so when i think about motivator i always think i i i love this idea Evan you probably heard me say this many times this is the why mm-hmm. right so when i was in sales a lot of people are there for the money right we're in sales we want to make that money no problem that's okay but what motivates you to get that money why do you want money mm. right some people might say hey um i have a huge medical bill at home so i need the money to do that fine i have kids who want to send them to college fine and there are also a lot of guys my or or gals might say i want to buy this lamborghini mm-hmm. sure fine everybody's why is their own why but once you figure out the why that i think then you can piece together the culture right i'm not going to say i'm not going to put a judgment on getting a Lamborghini is worse than paying medical bills. I'm not here to say that. I'm simply saying today imagine if you have a team of 10 people. Nine people they're all trying to send their kids to college, they're trying to pay their medical bills and you have this one lone wolf who's all about getting a Lamborghini. Probably not a good fit. Hmm. Right? So that to me is what why I want to find out the motivator. Today if I'm going to getting a job, a sales job, I want to find out why my manager wants to make money. If this person is about X and that X does not fit my X, probably not a good culture fit. Yeah, 
Uh, definitely. Um, one of the fun or like interesting thinking we have at Inch for all of those thinking of applying to Inch is that uh, if your if your why is very is like the obvious thing, for example, I want money in like in a normal work setting. If someone asks you why you want to work here, and I say I want to make money, that's a, that's a horrible <laughs> answer, right? In a, in a in a work setting, and at Inch, you know, you, you can't really make that much money. So what what are the one thing that uh, that we kind of disqualify you on if you if we ask you the why? And that's actually um, I want to build my resume. Of course, you want yeah, work it's experience. Same, it's the same as of, money, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the same as money, right? Because you, you, of course, you want to build your resume to to get that experience so that you can go and get a job. Of course, that's that's super obvious. I want to go a bit deeper than that, and that's maybe what you're saying with the motivator, and, and that's also uh, so, um, very true for a team that's going to the next level. The why needs to be there. And the why can be provided. You now every individual has the why, but I think the company itself needs to know its why. It needs to have a very good why. And the company, you, know, you can say that um, I like I like private enterprises a lot because it's very honest. They want to make money, but that's what com- companies want to do. So it's obvious. So now what's next, right? In 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 public sector, the why is is not that clear in my head a lot of the times. It's just an institution. And then people, you know, they do their work and, and the why might be to improve life. I mean, that's, that's what I think the role of government is, is to set a framework to uh, maximize the opportunity of happiness for its people. And then how you do that, that's, a, that's ideology from A to Z, right? But that's kind of the core issue of, of what a government should do. Uh, and, and the same thing with the, uh, the company or the core issue of companies to make money. And then we can ask, what's the why? Why do we want to do that? You know, um, the motivator for that company. And then most of the you know, sole problems is what we do as entrepreneurs. Right? I mean, if, 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 you're, if your sole reason for being an entrepreneur is making money, you're probably going to fail. <laughs> That's yeah. what I, you need something, you need extra. So finding the why and then knowing that your team has that a little extra why will, of course, help you through the hard times. And for an for entrepreneur, if you're thinking of starting something, you need to find your own why of why you do this. And then that can be very cheesy, and that's fine. We need to be a little cheesy, I think. I think it's good to have a little ideal to stretch to, to be better, to be more than just this animal that eats, sleeps, poops, and consumes, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think as human beings, we have desires and it's totally fine to say, hey, I want to strive better. So I'd love to take this opportunity to talk a little bit more about the culture outside of work, right? Honest, you've been in the football field and uh, Evan, you've been in the military training. Are there any lessons from a culture's perspective you guys would take with you if you were to start your own company? If I someday would be an CEO, uh, like take some and take some elements from the sports, it would be maybe, uh, I talked about it earlier and, uh, you know, Evan talked about it a lot, but the recruitment part, uh, it seems to be so, so important to like create, uh, create an atmosphere that, that drives everyone forward and, uh, you know, creating just a positive environment and, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to see myself as a CEO. Uh, because uh, I've never like been, I haven't been in a much uh, much businesses. But uh, 
it's uh if something i would take from sports it's definitely you know the people and you need to have fun and uh i would also like as an, as a ceo uh you know maybe make uh, make some of the people a part of of the recruitment uh because uh, we didn't have that opportunity when i played sports it was just uh like the guys on top said uh, you know i want you okay i join you and then everyone else is just like who are you uh, what do you do and uh, if it's not a fit you know it's going to be difficult for him as well because uh, he doesn't uh, make the friends and uh, he doesn't become part of the team uh he could be the best player in in uh, in uh, in your in your country but uh if he doesn't fit the team uh, personally uh it, it's not going to work dictatorship huh <laughs> um well the army teaches you a lot about creating group dynamics and um, one of the things i did like in the military i mean the leadership aspect that you explain is one of them you know you lead from the front uh, you set the tone um, you have to do everything uh, you, you have to be willing to do everything that your teammates is, is need to do and being a ceo also means that um, you should read a book called leaders eat last actually yeah, simon seen it right yeah Um, but um, being a CEO means that you're the last person to get paid you're the la- you're, and you're the person that works the longest hours and you're not allowed to bitch about it to anyone. You can maybe talk to your board um, or to your mentors. They can, they can be an outlet there, but you can never bitch about it to your team because you don't have that privilege to do that. You know, you're bringing them on this journey and you're trying to set the road ahead and you can't complain about it but then they can to you right they can complain to you because you need to be emotional enough to understand your team because you're ultimately you're there to manage them and help them succeed and if they're thinking about other things they won't be focused so uh, what we did first of all what i brought from the army was um, f- i wanted to open up the team to be able to speak about most things uh, to each other and to me as a leader Um, so uh, I, I took up um, a group exercise that we did in the military to break what we would call in English would be like rose tinted um, period in a How group do you say setting. Rosenre idel, um, and that's the period when there's a new group together and all everyone wants, everyone wants to be your, be friendly with each other and no one wants to kind of. Yeah, bash heads with each honeymoon other. period, right? Yeah, honeymoon period, and that's horrible for an organization because people aren't willing to talk about the important stuff. So what we do, used to do in the army, and what I brought into Inch, and what I brought into uh, Magic as well, was to sit down in this group session, and um, then you write down uh, in the army was two improvement points and then one positive um, point about a person. But uh, in the civilian world, I used to usually take one improvement point and two uh, positive things about that person. And then you then you set that person in the middle and then you just burn them. The whole team goes through that person alone. And the first person that that happens to is the CEO, always. That's why you need to do the number two. So what you, so you, you do that and then you give the number two that is the first one to roast you and you ensure that that person roasts the shit out of you. He's going to tell exactly the flaws that you've been showing for the team. And by doing that, you open up for the whole team this transparency that is you're allowed to give constructive feedback. And then how you actually structure this is a very, very uh, kind of 
clear way so that it doesn't become shit talk. It's actually very, you have to say it in a certain manner. Uh, you aren't allowed to make, uh, you have to use examples, you know, real life examples. And you aren't allowed to make a shit sandwich, as we call it, where you, where you say something nice about the person, then you say the bad thing, and then you say it's end with something nice, because then it's not real. Uh, so it will usually be structured in some way like uh, action, like the action the person did, the result that led to, and how it affected that person that gives the feedback. Right? So, for example, Reno, uh, when you weren't prepared to give that workshop on sales that I had uh, gathered 50 people on, that made me look stupid and silly and made me look like I can do my work because I didn't get the right person for this. And then you're not allowed to make an excuse because your excuse doesn't matter, right? It's how you were perceived, it's the actions that you did. So what, do you, what we trained then was to say, thank you for that feedback and you write down, right? And I would say, you need to prepare before the workshops. And then you can write it down. And if you get that same feedback, yeah, another time, Reno, I had like, another person was saying, I had a workshop too, and you weren't prepared that time either. You go through the whole group with that stuff, and bam, you know exactly what you need to improve for the next three months. <laughs> uh, and you also break it. So what happened right after that, usually in a group, is then any other like small things becomes easy to talk about. Um, so uh, that, 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 that's one thing I implemented that kind of makes it a lot easier for the, for the group and for the team to work together. So open up the communication. Yeah. Um, and the recruitment process as well, I'm, I agree with Anders there a lot. You have to have a clear recruitment process. And then as a CEO, you should set aside time to have uh, conversations with your employees at least once a month. It's really hard to do. I fail at that a lot, and I feel re I have a really bad conscience because I'm not good enough at it. Where they can just talk to you, like what's up with their life, what's up with what they're doing, um, including the career, you know, career development talks that you will have and all that stuff. That's one thing, but just this one hour where you're totally focuses on that. And then you, you continue to do this as the organization grow as well. Uh, you do kind of meetings with the team further down on the ground. So let's say you're on the C-level and then you have some managers between you and they each have their own team. Take the time to skip over the manager and just go straight down to the person on the bottom and have those talks. With them. And, but you have to then talk to your manager. You're not there to kind of verify that what they're doing is good or bad. It's just for you as a CEO to have your finger on the pulse about your employees on the ground as well. And then you also can ease your... You know, you don't get the, you, you get it unfiltered straight to you. Yeah. And you have to keep doing this because as you grow, you know, if you go from, you know, 10 to 30 to 100 to thousands, you're going to be so far away from the guy at the bottom, right? And, and, uh, and the guy at the bottom might have some really interesting things to say about how you run your company, which might actually change the way you run your company because, damn, I didn't see that because you haven't, the information they are talking about have been layered through like three managers until they reach you. Now, I don't have that extensive experience with that, like the top, you know, thousand employees and all that, but we could see that in the, in the military um, where we had like, um, with all our soldiers, you know, they have a, a what do we call it, a union rep, 
like you're all unionized in this country, right? So each of the platoons would have like would have their own union rep, and and they will have what's called the the, the platoons hour every Friday, and um, in the during platoons hour, the rest of the company kind of leaves, like the officers and the, and the NCOs leaves, and then it's just them, and then they can, and then that guy can come back and, and report directly to the captain, right? The top dog in the company, uh, telling them what's up. This is what's up on the ground. This is what we want. This is what we need as soldiers, and that is a very good way to do it. I mean, you don't need to have the union thing. You can you can jump down, but it's it's a good thing to just keep your pulse on the on your employees because ultimately those are the ones that make up your company. Yeah. And if you're seeing that your culture you set on top is not hitting the bottom, there's something wrong in the middle. Yeah, and there you go. You might need to fire someone. <laughs> and that's fine. This is why culture is strategy for breakfast, right? Because you can set the culture on the top, but it has to be embedded through the whole organization. And then if you have done a one bad culture fit down there, it's going to affect the rest. All right, folks, that's a wrap. If you're looking for a solution that helps you allocate your resources and stay connected with your community, check out Able Magic in the description below. Oh, and before we leave. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We will see you at the next episode about prototyping, where we will talk to the CEO and co-founder of Kosker, Wilde Bergan. If you like How to Entrepreneur, follow us at InchUIO on Instagram, Facebook, or if you live in Bergen, follow us at InchBergen. See you next time.